podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. the five-year plan extra podcast here at where are we the, the john smith stadium in huddersfield which is absolutely freezing cold but palace have won two nil this pod is sponsored by miranda dane photography for professional unique photography of weddings and more go to MirandaDanePhotography.co.uk. and i am joined by adam sells aka the martin kelly of the fob podcast how are you? I'm getting a bit of a regular, actually. So I think that's not really fair. Do you know what? I'm going to upgrade you. You're the James Tompkins at the FIP podcast. I'll be happy with that at the moment. That's good. Very good. And making his debut on the FIP Extra podcast is Andrew Street, oh, Esquire. How are you? Yeah, right, yeah. Well, I, I, I thought it was a thing of uh, fable and myth, the FIP Extra podcast, because I hadn't been on it. So it, it's nice to finally make an appearance on my own podcast. Good. And get one over Kevin Day. Yes. Yeah, well, that's always good, isn't it? Always helps if you turn up to the games, of course. <laughs> Oh, there we go. Ooh. It started. And the tone for the podcast has been set. Um, now, lads, it was freezing cold today. The weather couldn't make its mind up. It was sunny and then snowy. But Palace decided, Adam, to put in a very professional, if not massively entertaining, but professional workmanlike performance and deserve, deserve three points today. Absolutely. Definitely deserve three points. I didn't think the game was good, to be honest. It was a, if I was a neutral, I'd have probably been a little bit disappointed with the fair served up but frankly that doesn't really matter too much at this point the result was more important than the performance today I think but I must admit and I don't mean to be disrespectful to Huddersfield but at half time I was slightly concerned because I thought they were very very poor and we were a goal up and I couldn't help but think the game's absolutely there for the taking and we probably should have put them away already it wasn't that we were sort of um, raining shots on the goal by any means, but I just I had a horrible feeling that you know we were going to live to sort of regret not quite sort of finishing them off early on. Um, but I mean they weren't a massive threat throughout the ninety minutes. I had two shots on target that Wayne could have thrown his cap on. No, I better reverse that. Actually, thrown his woolly hat on on today. <laughs> yeah, it would be more appropriate. But yeah, I mean they they offered sort of. Little threat, and there wasn't the uh, blood and thunder. I'm tempted to say thud and blunder, to be honest, in in the game, really, that I was perhaps expecting from a sort of relegation clash with two teams hard at it. I I felt we were very comfortable and really sort of didn't have to get out of second gear to win the game, to be honest. Was it, was it more a case of Huddersfield being bad than Palace being particularly good? Um, I, I think that there's certainly an element of that 
you look at, and it's something that I've said on the, the main pod a few times, you look at a lot of the teams in the bottom six and a lot of them I don't think have anywhere near the quality that we do when we have our entire team fit. And I don't think it was more than maybe, you know, a six or a seven out of ten performance in Palace today, yeah. albeit a very competent six and seven out of ten. But, I mean, ultimately they almost looked like we did against Spurs to an extent. They didn't really lay much of a glove on us. Even when they had a few sort of half opportunities... They didn't really sort of capitalise on the set pieces. The two shots, as, as Adam says, that Wayne had to deal with were incredibly comfortable. And it, they, they do look like the sort of team that will be very much, and they are already, but will be very much down in the relegation mix come May. But the, I mean, the injuries that came back for us today, so we, had, we were able to bring on Kabai and Loftus-Cheek off the bench, two very strong, strong I mean, our, our bench was so much stronger than in recent weeks. That's quite good timing, really, for a game like today, wasn't it, Adam? Absolutely. I mean, I've said to you numerous times this season, when we've got everybody fit and firing, I think we're a, a seven, eight, nine, tenth team in the Premier League for sure. But the big factor when you're talking about Wilfred, for instance, is, and it's something I've touched on with you a couple of times, was that he could carry the ball up the pitch in the second half, gets you up the pitch and gets fouled. How many? I think there were three bookings second half for fouls on... On Wilfred, and that's the difference. All of a sudden, you've got a breather, you know, stops the game. I'm saying to Andy during the game, you know, the game stopped now, breaks up the game, no momentum. Huddersfield did not get up ahead of steam once during the game. And, and, you know, much as I'm delighted to win, I probably expected a little bit more from them. It's a far cry from the opening game of the season. I mean, frankly, we had Frank, which... uh, (laughs) Might explain a lot. I, I said to people before the game, I didn't fancy our chances at the start of the season because the, the pre-season that I'd seen the games, I was pretty uncomfortable with what I was looking at. And so it didn't come as a surprise to me. Um, there's no form at the start of the season and they're cock-a-hoop and have got promotion. You don't want to play a promoted team the first day of the season. You want to play them five, six, ten games in, perhaps... This is probably not the correct term, but they've had the nuts knocked out of them a little bit, and they're sort of really worried about that. Yeah, yeah. No, but you know, they've had some form. Then they've been beaten a few times. They're used to getting beaten, and it's a lot different when you play them first day of the season. You think some of the Premier League seasons, the opening days. What about when Blackpool went to Wigan that time, beat them four nil on the first day of the season? You know, you get some very funny situations, but today normal service was resumed in that respect and they looked like a team that was struggling to score goals. They played against 10 men last week for 80 minutes and didn't win and it was hard to see how they were going to score but at the half-time I was slightly annoyed. I don't know if annoyed is the right word but a little bit frustrated. I was just concerned that you know this is absolutely ours to win by by an Andy Street, we could say. But... Uh, <laughs> But we, we should have done. That's and, a and new football cliche. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> by A Street, by an Andy, we'll call it. Yeah. Um, but no, I think you understand what I'm trying to say to you, that I, they weren't really in the game. And I thought, you know, a second goal before the interval would have probably killed it stone dead. And you're always worried that... I used to say often to the lads in the football club, you know, you have to you, while you're in the ascendancy in football, you have to make it stick. And I'm, you're always worried at half-time... The manager can change things and the two halves are never going to be the same and so on. But really, it, it, it ended up being sort of very comfortable. I can't say 
I ever felt during the second half that we were in any kind of trouble whatsoever. Well, no, that penalty from Luca did kill it, really, didn't it? Once that happened, that was game over. But just on the penalties, there was one before that on Benteke, just in the box. Your thoughts on that, Andy? Do you think that was a penalty? And, and the second one as well. well I think obviously, we, we don't have the benefit of all the replays that I'm sure people will have seen at home uh, already 15 times by the time they <laughs> listen to this podcast, which could make these uh, opinions completely redundant. But to me, both of them look like penalties. Yeah. Uh, we thought, uh, Adam and I, on the Benteke one, that it was nailed on. Yeah. And the Andros one, I mean, he goes down relatively theatrically, but it, it was, I think, indicative of a pretty naive team. Clumsy, that, it, very yeah. clumsy that, you know, Andros is going away from goal on his, his stronger foot being on the near post. Uh, he's realistically, unless he puts in an absolute world of a hit from there, not probably going to score. Yeah. And yet the guy goes completely diving in. And I thought, Yes, very much a penalty. Yeah. And it was a great time to get it as well because there were times today where, and I'd only give us a six out of seven as a performance as a team as a whole because there were a couple of times where we were a little bit sloppy in possession. I gave it away a few too many times in our own half for my liking and Luca, I think, was a little bit culpable for that today. Yeah. And it was kind of around that period where they were not rallying to the extent of creating lots of chances but having a couple of sort of half openings on the turnovers and stuff. And it was just a very good time to, to get that second goal. Yeah. Um, should we hear from Roy? Why not? Should we hear what Roy He's thinks? probably more interesting than us two. No, I would say you, the three of you are equally <laughs> as interesting. Uh, OK, so this is what Roy told reporters after that 2-0 win at the John Smith Stadium today. Well, I don't know that it was a, a definite injury. You, you'll have seen he took quite a few kicks there towards the end of the game. We were... We were breaking out on quite a few occasions and getting the ball up the field and of course Wilf carries the ball and on a, a couple of those occasions he he was stopped you know, by, by a foul and the referee gave the free kicks but he took a couple of little knocks in that situation and add to that of course there's an element of fatigue, he worked very hard, it's his first full game for seven weeks I think it is, a long time out so uh, I'm hoping I haven't been given any indication that he's got picked up any serious injuries. We're more concerned injury-wise about Jeffrey Schlupp having to come off the field because he's he's rolled his ankle and, of course, you're always worried with those old-fashioned twisted ankles that some ligament damage has been done, but we won't know until he's had the he's had the scan. But I'm I'm hoping that uh, you know Wilf will recover. You're on the line today, Wilf, didn't you? Just, just how important he is to your side. I mean, he gave you that creative spark in the final. Yeah, he got stronger as the game went on. I thought. Um, I, um, I thought in the in the first half there were a lot of other players really who who were very important to us. But as the longer the game went on, you know, and the the more it opened out as it's going to do after two goals to nil, it's going to open out a little bit because Huddersfield need to get back into the game and take a few more risks. And we, I thought, had more possession in in their half in good good situations and of course that's where Wilf really comes into his own because it's with his pace and his ability on the ball he can go by people as, I, as I've as i said earlier of course that got stopped on one or two occasions by, by fouls and, and of course one of the fouls led uh, on, on, on Andrews Townsend led to our penalty we thought we thought Ben Tengi came close to one a little bit earlier you must be pleased with Wilf that a lot of 
flair plays, for want of a better description. Don't necessarily put it in at the other end, but he actually was back helping defence to <coughs> win the ball yeah. to set it up for the penalty in the first place. Yep, I mean, I've got to say, I don't have any points with, the, with this, this group of players in that respect. Um, even those that aren't natural defenders and maybe aren't necessarily particularly competent in, in the 1v1 defending situations, at least they get back in there to to bring their straw to the water and that's very, very important. You know, we, we saw Townsend doing it on one side and Wilf on the other and the midfield players in between, of course, were working very hard because that's a strong area of the Huddersfield Town team and uh, the way they play. You know, we needed to make certain that Moy Hogg and Pritchard didn't get a lot of time on the ball because we know they've got the ability to use it. I don't know if we are. Are we? Are we at the bottom? Yes. Yes. All right. Well, maybe. I mean, I think that we've tried to avoid discussing that certainly as a team because we know that with seven games to go, there's going to be twists and turns. I think the most important thing for us today was to come away from Huddersfield with a result, ideally a, a win, but certainly not a defeat, to make certain we could keep our hopes of staying in the in the division alive because had we not done that today then suddenly the gap to teams like Huddersfield that gets greater and greater and it's difficult enough to you know we we know how difficult it is we had to make up eight points to get ourselves out of the relegation zone the first time we had to win a lot of games and get a lot of points I think we're on an unbeaten run of about 12 or 13 games to to do that so we know how tough it is Uh, and we were determined today that we would take every opportunity that came our way to try and win this game and I thought the longer the game went on the more composed we look and we were you know asking more questions uh, but that's normal when you when you get that second goal the second goal was important you said Wilf did get a few rough tackles for one of a better description today it would be terrible if he was unavailable for certain periods at, towards the end of the season because he's not getting protection at maybe his quick feet well, it happens on both. I mean, I'm not going to start. I'm not going to go down that route. Um, you know, the referee today certainly gave him the protection he could give uh, with by 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 a giving the free kicks and, and and b giving the yellow cards. And we ourselves weren't totally innocent in that area. You know, there was a couple of challenges that we made and fouls that we made, which were pretty robust to say the least which led to the yellow card so I'm not going to sit here and start whining about that um, but one always hopes of course that the that the players like Wilf who are good at running with the ball will at least get the fouls that they merit and that the the players who are fouling them will will be discouraged from fouling them by, by getting yellow cards if, if, if the foul merits a yellow card and Certainly, Mike Dean today did that. There's only one one instance in the game, really, where I sort of really questioned a decision that was on Benteke before the penalty. I haven't seen it, like I'm certain some of you may have seen it on the TV, but from my position, that looked pretty close to a penalty, and we were rather hoping to get that one. But uh, he certainly had no hesitation in giving the second one when, when Anvers was fouled. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Back to the Five Year Plan podcast extra here at the John Smith Stadium in what? 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 <laughs>
had a like, gesture that Yeah, it was pretty, pretty brief there, Roy, I thought. <laughs> I want to go home. Um, uh, is that what he said? That's what we yeah, basically. Um, uh, this point is sponsored by Miranda Lane Photography for professional, unique photography of weddings and more. Go to MirandaLanePhotography.co.uk. And actually, I would say, Andy, it was a professional, a nice little link for me there, performance from Palace today, wasn't it? It was very competent, yeah. Um, I said at half-time on one of the WhatsApp groups I'm on with you, it would probably, oh, it would you. probably, thanks very much, uh, probably a wise choice, uh, that I thought it would probably take a, a series of quite bad errors yeah. for us yeah. to end up losing that game, particularly from a winning position. And even though there are a couple of times where we were a little bit sloppy, there was nothing that kind of leapt out as being, that's a really overt error or something that we've done particularly badly. And, you know, you've got to look at it and say, yet again, Tomkins has been absolutely fantastic dominate the ball other than Sacco's one error where he gives it away to them and has to make it a really last ditch (laughs) to to get the ball back he's not really made many errors I could recall both full backs pretty solid and I mean ultimately the, the, the thing that I always say to people is that generally there aren't any bad teams in the Premier League it's something that people take for granted. They kind of think, well, you should be winning that match. You should be winning that match. Even the teams that are in poor form, even West Brom on 20 points are not a bad team. Yeah. They're in a bad rut and they've not got a huge amount of creativity or, or, or thrust in the final third. They're not a bad team. So you're not going to completely dominate teams. But what you need is to put in six out of sevens where nobody's made any really bad individual errors and do it against the teams that you're marginally better than, and you'll get some points. I mean, speaking of six, sixes and sevens, can I offer a name for you, you today, Adam, which is James MacArthur, who for me always puts in a six or a seven, but I thought he was an eight or a nine today. I thought he was fantastic in the middle of the park, but he ne- never really gets the, the praises sung, does he? No, he doesn't. And uh, one of my friends here to my right is um, not his number one fan, as we know, but uh, I think, as I said to you last week, he's a, he's a manager's dream, really, the yeah. fellow, isn't he? He doesn't ever let you down... You can see why he has his place. Um, I, I think whatever you ask him to do, he gives you everything all of the time. And I don't think, as a fan of Crystal Palace, you know they 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 respect the fact that other players are more talented on the ball and things like that. But he's just a very competent all-round player. He does a very very good job, and you can rely on him a hundred percent. And often when you're in relegation battles, you need. Players you can rely on 100%. I, I think he's, for me, pushed himself right back into consideration of being our best team. And it looked like after his injuries he was struggling for a spell a year ago or so. And you're worrying a little bit that we might have seen the best of James MacArthur. But I'm actually thinking that um, I'm glad he, he stuck at it. And credit to him because obviously those injuries had taken the edge off him a little bit but he's worked very hard on his fitness and all those things and like I said a diligent player that never lets you down and I think when you're near the bottom of the league you need these kind of uh, well I guess in any football team you have two types of play you have your steady eddies and your flash stands really and we've got plenty of flash stands and funny Andy was talking about teams in the Premier League everyone's got good players they have but what I would say to you is those flash stands sort of win you the game. The steady eddies keep you in the game and make sure there's a platform for the flash stands. And what I would say to you is, I think West Brom, we were just talking before we met up with you about Alan Pardew and West Brom and another defeat today and so on. And uh, much as I'm not a big fan of Alan Pardew, I think Tony Pulis' squad didn't have enough 
flash stands in it. They haven't got people that can go past people. Matt yeah. Phillips, maybe um, Oliver Burke. You know, they're really struggling for sort of thrust. And 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 you look at our squad among the teams at the bottom of the league, and you've got Loftus Cheek, you've got Wilf, you've got Townsend, you've got fullbacks that can go past people. And you know, we talked about Chungy and the ball carrying element the other week and and what that meant. And it, I was just sort of keen to to have the balance and now you've got that balance again with those players you saw Wilfred gets your free kicks he gets your time he gives you a rest and you know we never allowed them to come on to us really and cause us a problem as Andy said they didn't really lay a glove on us I didn't think you like you want to say something about James McArthur well I, I, I very much thought that last season he was finished was it, that in it, your whatsapp group <laughs> I'll just talk to people group. <laughs> Yeah, I, I had noticed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, last season, I thought he was finished. I, I, I have to say, I thought behind Tomkins, he was probably our best player today and won just about every second ball that he was anywhere near yeah. and had far more quality as well than anyone on the Huddersfield side. And I've got to say that I think, I said it probably a couple of months ago, but I think his renaissance this season has been one of the stories of the season at times. And yet again, you know, done very, very well today and all, all credit to him for that. There was one bit at the end, actually, about a minute ago where he was tracking back about 30, 40 yard run. You think after his efforts all game, that's incredible to have that in the tank as well. But what about Benteke today, Andy? Do you think, I, mean, I thought he played quite well, actually, holding the ball up, bringing people into play. Again, it's not quite falling for him, but you can see that he is, I think, trying to work a bit harder to link up with his teammates. But then again, it was back to that four-three-three that he's more familiar with with Andros and Wilf. I thought uh, it was a, it was a real mixed bag at times today for Christian. I thought there were certain times where he's doing some very very good stuff, as uh, even some of the ideas that he was having where he tried to sort of bend it around the corner for Wilf in the first half when Wilf is sort of blasting away at the far post. Um, certain times where he's just bringing people into play really quite intelligently, worked himself some space and was really working there centre-backs in the air a lot and then there were other times where he just did stuff where you go why have, why have you done that he had a perfect opportunity to play a reverse ball to Andros at yeah. one point where Andros made a lovely diagonal run across him yeah. Christian is taking the ball at, out diagonally to the right and just keeps on taking it and just keeps on taking it and it's just the thing that's not really working for him though is just that killer instinct in decision making and he's not playing four out of tens People talk about him as if he's playing three twos, fours out of tens. He's just doing some stuff particularly badly in 10% of his game. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, 60% of his game is perfectly all right. And then 30% of it's a little bit indifferent. Yeah. And unfortunately, at the moment, the sort of 10% that's pretty bad is it tends to be, unfortunately, some of the pivotal moments. So as with the Andros diagonal ball, it, it, it was a perfect time of the match had he played that. And just scores that, frankly, and it, it puts you out of sight before half time. Yeah. Was it after, before no, half time? No, just just half, sorry, yeah. just after half time. My apologies. Yeah. Um, and just makes you really comfortable that side of the break without having to even get to the penalty to have to put the game out of sight. So <laughs> I thought it was a mature performance from him in lots of ways, but it's still going to be one of those frustrating performances that I think Palace fans will probably look back on in parts and just go, I, it doesn't fit a uh, £30 million pound player. You like, your two, you like your ratings out of 10, don't you? Well, it's, 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 it's what the people want, isn't it? I, I kind of I don't know. guess that from reading the I Sunday no papers. <laughs> um, Adam, just one... He's running his legal clock, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, you know, tick. you can't tick, invoice tick, this, tick, don't you? Tick, 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 yeah. Six-minute increment. <laughs> Why do you think I kept on talking? <laughs> 
just finally, Adam, then, I mean, obviously, the performances in, in the three games against those big teams were, weren't bad. They were decent. But we knew it was building up to this. Was this a, a must-not-lose game today? I'm a bit with Roy on this one. You know when the media sort of says, oh, it's a big game and all that. Oh. If we'd lost the game today, we wouldn't be relegated. And we've won the game today, and it doesn't mean we're going to stay up. You know, I think perspective always has to be, you know, every game, you know, I think since about seven defeats and no goals at the start of the season, I think it started around September or October with them saying, Roy, is this do or die? You know, have you got to win this one and this one? And I actually quite admire the way he just, he's a football man and he's very methodical and he just says, it's another game, it's three points, you know, and that's where we are. We've got, what have we got left? Seven games? Seven games. So there's 21 points to play for. We've got 30. We probably need 10 points, maybe. Andy's going to say we only need seven or something. That's because we only need seven. (laughs) Well... I think 40 points is the mark that most teams aim for and think they're safe. Yeah. And I, 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 we were having this conversation, Andy and I, yesterday about how many points and trying to work out what we could and so on. But it's just so impossible to call, isn't it? You know, it's just so difficult. But what you think is when we've got everyone back and firing, if we can't take those points off the teams we've still got to play that we need, then frankly we don't deserve to be in the Premier League. You know, and that's... That's fair. I think in the situation we're in now, if we can win the home games that we've got and pick up a few points here and there away, you know, why not? It was important today to arrest the slide of those defeats and they've all been narrow and I think there have been factors in all of them. Perhaps I think all three of the games, we probably should have come out with a point and been unbeaten one way or another. But in the end, we've got beaten in all the games. It was important that our current form, which looked pretty poor going in, I think it was the second worst in the Premier League before today, you know, it was important that we got a win under our belt and suddenly everybody, the confidence comes through. We've got a two-week break. You didn't want to go into it beaten and you want to go into it thinking, OK, our tails are up a little bit. We get people coming back. Another two weeks for Wilf and... uh, Ruben Loftus-Cheek and Johan Kabai and Mamadou Sacco to get fitter and stronger. Perhaps we'll have one or two others to call on. Julian will be fit again, I think, by the Liverpool game from the conversations I've had. You know, I don't know how bad Geoffrey Schlupp is, but Joel Ward and so on. But if we can get more and more people available, so a lot it makes us look a, a much stronger outfit. The bench today, at least you could look at it and say, oh, we've got bits on there that can make a difference for us. Well, I felt before today and uh, people talking to me about this and I, I said I'm pretty relaxed about things generally because with the players that are coming back, if you can't get 10 points from eight games when you have Ruben Loftus-Cheek, Johan Kabai, Wilfred Zaha, Christian Benteke, Luka Milivojevic, good players in your team and now starting to have them all available, if you can't get 10 points from eight games with the fi- fixture schedule that we have, you probably deserve to go down. Yeah. And frankly... You know, I, I said to Adam in the week, I could see us staying up with two wins, to be honest, because you're going to get lots of draws playing like a Royal Hodgson team does. I shouted does. him down for that. He course. did shout me down. But <laughs> I wouldn't say shout me down. <laughs> completely berated me, I think, was the, the more appropriate way to, to describe it. But you looked at it, if, if you, before today, if you extrapolated out our points per game to the end of the season, it would have put us on about 34. Um, so we clearly need this to improve for these eight games. But you look at who we are playing in these eight games, yeah. and you look at who's coming back into the team, you look at the fact that 
in the previous 30 games, we've had some pretty shoddy runs of luck, shoddy runs of injuries, all sorts of stuff. Then I've kind of always felt that there should be enough there to get over the line. Obviously, it shouldn't have come to this point where it's going to end up being quite so marginal as it is. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's going to be as, as, as tightly run. But ultimately, it's, it's not a bad football team. Yeah, it's not and enough. I, and I, I, they showed that. I well, think. exactly. And I think today showed that they have got enough to, to get themselves over that line with some similar fixtures coming up. Um, chaps, that's it. Let's go back to, well, I was about to say warmer London, but I think it's actually even colder in London. And he's got to go back to his WhatsApp group, of course. <laughs> Unless I kick him out of it. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm not taking that from the, the one man who refuses to install WhatsApp on his phone. Well, that is a debate for another pod. Although he is right. Email me, text me, call me, tweet me, Instagram the company, uh, <laughs> Facebook the company. I think there's enough people can find me. <laughs> it's still unacceptable. You need to you need to get on WhatsApp. I'm not down with the kids like you two. I'm, I'm old. That's the nicest no, thing you've ever said to us. I'm, I'm, I'm really chuffed with that. <laughs> right, okay, guys. Thanks for listening. The full pod will be with you during the week as well. Um, but keep uh, getting contact with us on uh, Twitter at FIP Fanzine and Instagram and all that. Let us know your thoughts on the game, and we'll be with you again very soon. Thanks for listening. Bye. When it comes to business travel in Orlando, it's never business as usual. Oh, sure, I could go on for days about all the incredible places to hold meetings or the Michelin dining or the innovative industries that'll make you feel right at home. But Dr. Michael Edwards of Ocean Insight said it best. Orlando is as much a business capital as an entertainment one. So dive in and see what's happening in Orlando, where the possibilities for business travel are unbelievably real. Learn more at Orlando for Business dot com Sports Social Podcast Network